This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire Pods, search for us on iTunes or check out BlueWirePods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and today we're going to try to stick to hockey again, even though we are all fresh off some Korean baseball watching last night. We still have some fun hockey topics to discuss for you guys. We've kind of been all over the place the last few episodes, but this one we're going to talk about some interesting comments uh, Coach Pete DeBoer made recently about captains and how that might affect the future of uh, the Golden Knights and whether we will potentially see AC in the near future. Uh, but before we get to all that, let me check in with the other members of the podcast, Adam Hill and Dave Shane. Adam, I'll start with you. How's it going? Oh, wonderful, Ben. Uh, I'm I'm back to enjoying live sports, as we were discussing just before we started the podcast here. I am a Korean baseball obsessive fan now. I'm, I'm all in. Uh, so I'm very excited to have sports back. But I think maybe... Once sports is back in America, I might be done. Because, I you know, like, listen, I learned that my Giants, that's my Korean team that I chose, have not won in a long time. And I don't know if I could take any more heartbreak as a sports fan of just watching a team never win. So I, I don't know if I can handle this for very long. Uh, Dave, Adam is a Giants guy. What's your team? Oh, I'm all over the Dinos. What, what, was, that, <laughs> what was that? That mascot they got? I forget. It's, it's, it's got some funky name or whatever. Oh, dude, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm all over. I'm all over it. But you know, I it was funny because I was watching I was watching some of the games and and stuff last night, and I'm like, dude, my hair wouldn't even fit right now under a batting helmet. It's out of control. I have like the total Art Garfunkel fro going right now. It's crazy. God, you might be honest something, Dave. Swole Daddy is there? Swole is there Daddy, there we go. Yeah, Swole Daddy. I I need this. This is amazing. I, of course, am with the Kiwoom Heroes because they have ex-twin slugger Byung-ho Park, who was a bust in North America, but is still crushing it over there in South Korea. So I'm glad we all got something like that in our lives to keep entertaining us right now. We hope that we're going to entertain you guys 
with some hockey talk. But before we get to that, let me quick remind you that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We are presented by Favor, drinkafavor.com. I also like to remind you that you can check out all our written stuff at reviewjournal.com. Dave's been keeping you guys updated on kind of the latest goings on with the NHL's various restart plans, what's happening with the NHL draft and that potentially getting moved up. Whereas I'm going player by player through the Golden Knights roster, kind of letting you know how they did this year, how they project in the future and all that fun stuff. But as I mentioned earlier, for most of this episode, we're going to be projecting into this future and whether we're going to see a sea change for the Knights. Pun fully intended. I will not apologize for this. Uh, Knights coach Pete DeBoer recently appeared on the team's podcast, Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave, and threw out a really interesting comment. His full quote was, I'm a believer in a captain. I think we have a lot of candidates in that dressing room. I'm still getting to know the group, but that's something I'll have to discuss with Bill Foley and uh, George McPhee, obviously, and Kelly McCrimmon and see what their feeling is on it. So just on its surface, it makes sense that Pete DeBoer likes captains because he had a good one in New Jersey in Zach Parisi and another good one in San Jose and Joe Pavelski went to the Stanley Cup final with both those teams. Uh, but before we get into who are candidates for the Golden Knights potentially having a captain, I put odds on it and how we feel about that as it pertains to the organization. Uh, my question for both of you to start out and I'll start with Dave. How much do we believe in the the power of the sea? How much do you personally believe either having a captain or not having a captain affects the team, Dave? I mean, I think it depends on each team, to be quite honest. And I don't. I, we're going to talk about the whole twenty three captains kind of idea and and whether that's getting a little bit outdated, I guess, with the Knights. But I think every situation is different. Uh, as we'll kind of discuss, I, I'm really big on uh, there is a certain type of player and or personality that I think is a captain. And there are other guys that I just don't think necessarily fit as a as a captain in the same way that in business, maybe some people are better as managers than than others and, and things like that. There's a lot that goes into it. So I, I believe it in, in the sense of if you got, have a guy in your locker room on your team who is clearly kind of the alpha alpha, like that's your C, that's your captain. And if you don't have one, then yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think you necessarily have to force it. And, and I think that's probably something that I would commend the Knights for, to be quite honest, is not forcing a C on, onto somebody's shoulder too early. Adam, how about you? What are, what is your thoughts on kind of the captaincy and its relative importance in, in a team context? Yeah, I mean, I just I feel like they've they've gone you know a couple of years without one, and it's really worked for them. Uh, and I think I think Dave's right along the lines of like if one establishes himself and somebody if somebody just stands out and everybody is just like, oh wait, yeah, that's the guy. Like I think at that point, then you then you make the decision. But I think when you've gone you know a couple of years and it's really it's this concept that you've all bought into of. You know, everyone in the cap, everyone in the room is a captain. We have twenty three captains, and we're all going to run this and um, and be the you know the collective leadership group around here. And I think even even among that twenty three, you know, they've had a kind of a a leadership group stand out from them. Uh, I think that you're you're fine doing it until somebody just kind of takes the bull by the horns and goes. But it's it's pretty clear that you know part of the board coming in is is he wants to have that 
that established guy uh, that he's had before and it's really worked for him. So it would make some sense that even though this has worked for this organization, what's worked for Pete DeBoer has been to have that, you know, that guy to stand out and, and be the one that takes it. But uh, those guys that he's had in the past that we discuss are, are guys that they just really are clear cut, you know, dudes that, you know, like, all right, this is the guy. So until they have that, I don't know that I would make that decision, but it's pretty clear Pete DeBoer wants to. Yeah. It's interesting that you kind of, bring up those contrasting wants maybe of what the organization has wanted and what Pete DeBoer might want. But let's talk about something you guys both brought up there, which is the whole 23 captains thing, which I think we kind of all sense is a little bit cheesy and a little bit hokey, but it's a philosophy that's really worked for the team. And for those that are kind of confused what it means, it's just the Knights like to profess that they have 23 captains. There are 23 guys maximum on an NHL roster and the Knights like to think that they are filling those spots with you know guys that have if not captain potential captain character at the very least that they are you know no malcontents just all guys that are willing to kind of fit into the team and willing to do whatever it takes to help the team win and so when you look through the Knights roster guys that kind of come to mind to me that exemplify that are guys like Riley Smith, uh, Braden McNabb, Nick Holden, uh, previously Pierre-Edouard Belmar, guys that were fully willing to buy into kind of unsexy roles without really complaining. You know, McNabb's like, cool, I can defend opposing top forwards and get no power play time. Great. Nick Holden's like, you can kind of stick me anywhere in the bottom two pairs, left side, right side, different partners. I won't complain one bit. Awesome. Belmar will you know, penalty kill for you, be a fourth line center, kind of a grinder guy for you. Never complain about kind of his ice time. Awesome. That's what the Knights kind of mean when they profess this 23 captains thing. And like I said, it's a, it's a cheesy concept, but I do think it's something they actually do deserve a little bit of credit for Dave, because I think one thing you can say about the Knights, their first three years is that they do build teams rather than collections of talent. And what I mean by that is there are some teams, I would point to Toronto as one example, that get a lot of talent, but those pieces don't necessarily fit in the best way. And, you know, you you can't argue that the, the sum is greater than the total of the parts, where I feel like the Knights have done a good job balancing their roster so that the sum can be greater than the total of the parts, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think it's just part of the culture that they established right from the start that everybody was kind of that misfit. Everybody was cast off from some other team in in most cases, either in the expansion draft or trades, whatever it might be. Everybody was kind of, you know, all in the same boat. There wasn't somebody that necessarily, you know, I guess kind of stood out above the group. Obviously, James Neal, you know, has done some things in his career. Marc-Andre Fleury had won Stanley Cups. You know, there were guys that had success, but there wasn't anybody that could walk in there and say, look, I'm the guy. Everybody's just going to, you know, follow me. I got this and and we're good. Everybody was kind of all there together. And I think that's what they established. And yeah, I agree with you, Ben. I, I do think they need to be commended for it. I guess kind of maybe the question, and, and this is what we're sort of discussing, is if they've, as an organization and, and a team, evolved past that. And, and whether now, three years into this kind of project, franchise, you know, however you want to call it, if, if somebody 
you know, maybe it's more appropriate for somebody to kind of emerge as the leader as kind of the face of the franchise and things where in that first year, I think they were hesitant to put that label on somebody. And I think it's understandable. No, totally. And so that leads us obviously to this kind of part two of this big idea, whether we think a captain is coming. And as Adam, you kind of hinted on this tension, it seems like it might be a push-pull with DeBoer and the front office, where the front office might be more inclined to say, like, this model of 23 captains has worked for us, whereas DeBoer might be saying, well, but this is how I like to run it, and this has worked for me in the past. And so, uh, Adam, I'm curious, from your perspective, do, do you think whether a captain ends up coming shows how much influence DeBoer maybe have in the organization? Uh, maybe, but I also don't know how much the organization would push back on him if that's what he wanted to do at, at this point where, like, yes, that is what they've done around here. But uh, I think if you're going to, you know, do what the Golden Knights did and uh, make this drastic move and, and say, hey, you know, Gerard Gallant is a guy that did so much uh, for us, but we're going to, you know, we think that Pete DeBoer is the guy that can kind of take us to the next level and, and kick it back up there. I think if you're going to hand the reins over like that, I think you're going to give, um, you know, some leeway. And I think, I think if he wanted to do it, I don't think there's going to be much resistance uh, from the organization on in that regard. Well, then, Dave, let me ask you this question. If Gerard Gallant said, you know, at this same time, if he was still employed by the team, I want a captain, do you think it would be getting the same, it would get the same potential response from the organization? Or do you think DeBoer has already kind of winnowed more influence on the team than Gallant had. Yeah, that's an interesting question because I wonder how much of it is just the timing. If, you know, kind of three years into it, that they're a little more receptive to the idea and whether if Gerard Gallant had brought it up, if they would, you know, kind of, I guess, be as receptive as they seem to be right now with with DeBoer's suggestion or if that's maybe another example of them kind of ceding some power. I mean, I guess you could look at the goaltending coaching situation and and certainly some comments by Pete DeBoer there has maybe indicated that Dave Pryor and and uh Mike Rosati's positions were I guess a little bit influenced by Pete DeBoer. I, I I certainly took his comments of, you know, I make the decision on the starting goalie to you know to certainly say that Pete DeBoer has some power over the goaltending position or maybe Jar Gallant at least gave the appearance in the past that he didn't, that might be a change. So, so maybe it is an evolution in that regard that that they're willing to take Pete DeBoer, who is kind of an outside view, and and accept some of the things I guess that he's saying. Maybe you know they're able to look in the mirror a little bit harder uh, when he's bringing some things like this up. But you know, again, a captain, I think, and and we'll talk about this. I just you know, for me, it's such a specific situation. I think it's either you either have it in the locker room on the team or you don't. And so I just don't think you force it. And maybe it's a maybe it's an issue of of Pete DeBoer sees somebody in that locker room now who, you know, maybe Jared Gallant hadn't worked with as long. I'm kind of hinting at Mark Stone. Um, you know, who maybe they just feel like this is this is the clear guy and and we need to have have this happen now. I don't you know, I don't know. That that could be it. No, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out whenever the team gets back together. Uh, Dave mentioned Mark Stone. He's going to feature prominently in the next part of the show where I go through the odds that I will be giving to each player as to whether they would be named the captain or not. But before we get to all that, let's take a quick break. 
They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots? Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily Favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. All right, we're back. And after all that fun discussion about whether the Knights will have a captain or not, let's discuss who could actually be said captain. Dave has already mentioned Mark Stone, and there's a lot of other names we can go through, too. So to uh, make it more interesting... I did put odds on this, so we can go through all these names. You guys can tell me how I did on my handicapping, and then we can pick a guy that we'd like to, you know, maybe bet on at the end. I think I've got the order roughly right, but I I honestly don't know how great my odds are. The math just kind of had to work out to make it more fun because I think the odds would shift us a little bit differently in real life, but let's see how this works out. Uh, My first guy... Paul Stasny at 19 to 1. He is obviously a veteran. He's their oldest skater under contract next season. I mean, he's already, he's clearly a team first guy. He played third line center earlier this year without really complaining. Uh, downside, he is, as we've kind of already mentioned on this podcast, maybe the the least nailed down guy out of their core players because he's only under contract for one more season. Beyond this one, so I mean, Dave, I know you're probably on this bandwagon. It just doesn't seem like because of that this is happening. He's just not around for the long haul, probably. Yeah, that's kind of where I would look at him as like, you know, if you're going to put a C on somebody, I would want them kind of locked up for a while to know that they're going to, you know, at least under contract, be with the the franchise for a while. Obviously, it's business. You never know what's going to happen. You know, certainly somebody like Alex Petrangelo in St. Louis. There's some, you know, questions of whether he'll be back there, which seems unusual for a captain, but Stasny just having that one year and, and, you know, maybe if there's compliance buyouts or maybe he's a guy at the trade deadline, you know, in February or whenever it might be that gets moved for salary or some kind of stuff. So I just have a hard time putting a C on somebody that's in his situation as much as a veteran and as much of a cerebral kind of player as he is just the situation doesn't match up. All right. So then we'll move on to the next guy who is Riley Smith at, Nine to one. Uh, he is one of the main alternate captains. Uh, as I, we kind of mentioned earlier, I did. He's just kind of a, a key glue guy that every team needs, even though he's not going to get the shiniest praise. Uh, the big question with him is just, you know, does he have that forceful personality to kind of, you know, take a team under his wing and kind of grab him by the scruff of the neck when needed and, you know, lift him up? He just definitely feels like more of a lead by example guy, right, Adam? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think that is a that is a leadership quality that you could have. I mean, it's not like it's not like you know that doesn't work. I think in a lot of a lot of cases, it's the best kind of leadership, right? Where you just go out there and and do your job, and everybody kind of gets in line behind you. Uh, he's he's never really jumped out as that you know as that guy that wants that that seed to me so uh i don't know if, if that would impact it uh i feel like if you kind of went around and asked the teammates then maybe they would uh they would endorse it a little bit i just, I just don't know if that's that's the role that he necessarily wants uh so i, I i'm a little cautious 
uh, for you know to pick him here. But the the Stastny example, I, I think he's he's the kind of would he be the he'd be the type of player that would want it. But maybe he would he would even go and like really try to fight for it just to try to help him help his cause of getting of coming back here again, like getting a new deal of like, hey, look, I'm the captain. Like I think he might try to go for it. So that might change his odds a little bit. That that's interesting. I like that. And then I do agree with you. Like Riley Smith just kind of feels like the A just kind of feels right for him. Yes. Uh, and so then we'll move on to the next guy who's got the same odds as Riley Smith, and that's Nate Schmidt at nine to one. Uh, also basically has an A because he took Derek England's by the end of the year. Uh, he's obviously super goofy, but while we can all joke about that and point out, you know, kind of how funny he is and, you know, how he kind of brings that light edge to the locker room, he also is really, really smart. And I don't think enough people realize that about him. He's the team's NHLPA rep. He is really thoughtful. If you ever have, you know, kind of an introspective conversation with him, He's, you know, a really good guy to talk to, not just because he's funny, but because, you know, he can really bounce ideas off of you, too. All that being said, Dave, I just can't imagine that because of that goofy side of his personality that he's a guy you give the C to, right? You're just saying that because he's a gopher and he likes Star Wars, right? I mean, (laughs) that does help. Those are two good, good strikes in his favor. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. He's introspective about the, you know, the Star Wars movies. That's what that's what that's what Ben's getting at, I think. Oh, we can have conversations for days. May the 4th was great yesterday. <laughs> Let's go Taika Waititi. It seems a good reason to put the C on him. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, in, in, sure. in all seriousness, though, he's almost it's almost like he's the he's the polar opposite of Riley Smith. And I say that because like Riley Smith strikes me as the guy who's kind of the worker bee. And wants to be in the background, but behind the scenes, when the doors are closed and things, I think he's one of the guys that, you know, maybe some of the players will listen to when he speaks up because he probably doesn't do it too often. I guess I just wonder, like with him, just to go back with him and not to like create, I guess, an issue or controversy or something that isn't there, but he was, he's such a Gerard Gallant guy. And, and I wonder if kind of as things evolve and things like that, not that, not that Riley Smith has an issue with anybody. Obviously, I'm not intimating that, but just he, I think he was just so attached to Gerard Gallant that I wonder if he if he could be Pete DeBoer's captain. I don't know. Um, but Nate Schmidt, kind of the same thing. Like he he gets the A occasionally, and he's certainly vocal. And we don't really think of him as a leader. But yeah, like you said, Ben, behind closed doors, when things are a little more serious, and you know, obviously the NHLPA. Uh, issues and, and things like that. But I just think even even game by game, you know, having gone through the Washington organization, he's got a little experience. He went through that Stanley Cup final. You know, he's been around a little bit at, at this point. I think Nate Schmidt's, you know, word carries a little bit of weight where maybe a couple of years ago it didn't. So he was somebody that I certainly dismissed like right away. No way, you know, Nate Schmidt, come on, no way. And the more and more I think about it, the more and more I don't want to be as, you know, dismissive about the, possibility of it like i i feel like i'm almost kind of insulting him in a way by saying there's no way that he can be a captain but i do think you know his odds are probably a little slimmer yeah i think that nine to one is probably about right he is i will give him uh this credit he's the top ranked defenseman on my list he's actually the only defenseman that i rank because now we're going to get into 
the kind of final three guys, and that's going to start with actually another Gerard Gallant guy. And so maybe this will come up with the same issues Dave just described, and that's Jonathan Marcheseau, who, you know, the self-described spider monkey isn't afraid of a fight. He's not afraid to scrap. The team does seem to rally around him. I did, you know, a piece on him for the paper this week, and it is kind of remarkable. The team's record when he scores a goal versus the team's record when he doesn't. And obviously that's skewed a little bit because, you know, uh, the team, all shutouts are counted in the fact where he doesn't score a goal. But the team does seem to gain energy when he plays well. He's the year one guy I think the most people could get behind and connect to because he kind of represents both the past, present, and future of the organization because he's still under contract for a few years. You know, that said, I don't think he quite fits all the criteria you're looking for. And you do wonder whether that's the guy you want your young players kind of coming up through the system looking to of like, okay, I want to be a part of the Golden Knights organization. So I need to look to Jonathan Marsha. So as the example, I'm curious as to whether that's the message the team is ultimately going to send Adam. Yeah. Like I, I feel like it's almost coming across like we're insulting the guys and like, like uh, Dave was pointing out, uh, you don't want to come across like you're insulting Nate Schmidt. Like he was just, he's just a different kind of guy. And I think the same goes uh, for Marcia. So in that, like he just, he, he absolutely is a very important like force in the locker room. And I think he, he brings something to the locker room that they definitely need, but I just don't feel like that is the, that is what they would want to go with as a captain and uh like we were mentioning with riley smith like like dave pointed out and this was going to be my absolute uh you know stance on marcia so that he's to me way too way too tied uh with jar gallant to to you know to be the guy that would take over as captain under DeBoer, uh or like maybe conversely if you look at it another way like that's how you kind of draw that bridge and say Hey, listen. This is a this is definitely a Galant guy. Everybody knows that. Uh, but you like what I've come in and I, I've seen what I liked out of him, and I want to make him my captain. I mean, that would make some sense too. I just I feel like on the surface, it just seems way too way too connected with the old regime to you know to be the guy that would step up as the captain for Pete DeBoer. To so, me. so let me ask you about that, Dave. Because do you uh, agree with I guess Adam's point if he could be a bridge between the Gallant and DeBoer regime? Or do you think he's just, I mean, because to me, even more than Riley Smith, he is attached to Gallant. I mean, Jonathan Marceau has basically just said straight up, that's my guy. That's the guy that gave me my NHL career. So do you think he's almost too attached to be a DeBoer captain? So I don't know if you guys can hear this in the background, but there's a, you know, a trash truck that's driving by picking up everything, which seems like perfect. Symbolism right now. I'm so against Jonathan March so being a captain. And did you just call him, did you just call him trash? I <laughs> know <laughs> the idea. The idea I think is trash. So so here's the thing. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna try to explain this and and insult myself in a way. So I am Jonathan March so. Okay, when I was okay. when I was a player, small chip on my shoulder, loud mouth. You know, like. Speaking of, just too emotional. You, there is no way that I should be leading anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not <laughs> wired for it. That's not my personality. That's not who I am. Jonathan Marcheseau is not a captain. He's somebody that you need on the team 
to be fiery and do what he did after game one in the Western Conference finals and speak up when it need, you know, when somebody needs to speak up and then go up and back it up. But there are certain things in a locker room and there are certain dynamics that just kind of go with hockey. And the captain, to some extent, is an authority figure in that locker room. And if you are the little loudmouth, <laughs> the spider monkey, when your authority is challenged, what are you going to do? And unless you are the absolute, clear, best player on that team, unless you're somebody like Martin St. Louis was with the Lightning, the little guy is, is just, it doesn't work. It, it's not what a captain is. And I, I don't know how to explain it any other way than that. Just every team I've ever been on, every locker room I've ever covered, you know, during my career as a journalist, there are certain people that are just cut out for it. And there are certain personalities that just don't, just don't make the right fit with that. And it's nothing against him. But I just say this as I can put myself in, the, in those shoes and I would not be a good captain. I just don't think Jonathan Marceau is a good captain. It doesn't mean he's a, not a good leader. He's a good leader. He's just his leader in his own way. And I think if you put a C on him, it changes everything. You're a heightist, obviously. Sizest, we call it. Yeah. Sizes. Well, as somebody who's 5'8 and, you know, played like he thought he was 6'4, and I can totally relate to everything that Jonathan Marcheseau does and and says and and everything, but he's just not a captain. I'm I'm just, that's the one thing with with this issue that I will like plant the flag on, and no no offense to Jonathan Marcheseau. I'll say this if you took me off the beat, and you said, okay, if you were just a Golden Knights fan, which player would you like? Instantly, I would say Jonathan Marchso is my favorite player. But I just don't think he's a captain. My big takeaway from Dave's whole spiel there is that the two of us were very opposite hockey players because I am 6'4", <laughs> 6'5", six, six, and I play like I'm 5'8", because I didn't hit anybody out there, <laughs> even when I was a defenseman. It was a problem. Uh, we'll move on to uh, our next guy now that uh, Dave has uh, planted his flag. And we're on to the top two. But the, the second place guy has, I gave the same odds to Marcia so, And that's Max Pacioretty, who is an obvious candidate because he's already been a captain in Montreal. He knows the pressure that comes with wearing that C. He knows the responsibilities. He also just, and this is a weird intangible quality, he gives off a you know, quote unquote, grown up vibe is how I describe it. Um, this, is all, this is all I want to talk about. I saw that in your notes and it's all I wanted to talk about. I mean, like, what, what are you, are you like, is, are you looking for like father figures in the locker room? Like, I don't understand where that came from. Grown up vibe. So just because he has like, a bunch of kids. So what I, what I meant by that is veterans respect his play, right? Like Paul Stasny loves playing with him. Mark Stone just respects him to the umpteenth degree. I think a bunch of guys in that locker room are like, man, Pacioretty's really good. And then youngsters like uh, Cody Glass look up to him. I mean, Cody Glass famously, I think, went over for tacos before his NHL debut at the Pacioretty household. So I think Pacioretty can at once be respected by the older guys in the locker room and then be a role model and kind of, I mean, as you brought up, Adam, a father figure to the younger guys, which I do think is kind of an important quality to have 
And if, for that reason, I think his odds theoretically should be much higher than what I even put them at. But the only reason they're not is the question of, does he want it? Because I think he's been not too subtle at hinting that being the captain in Montreal, especially being the English-speaking captain in it for a French-speaking city in a major Canadian media market, just wore on him. And so I think part of the appeal of getting traded to the Knights was you don't have to be the guy. You can kind of pick your spots where you have to be kind of the voice of the team. And he still is the voice of the team a fair amount, but certainly not as much as he was in Montreal. And I think he's enjoying that too much to give that up and put himself back out there again. Adam, do you agree? Uh, yeah, and you like I don't I don't even have to talk about it because you crushed it exactly what I was gonna say. Uh, Mark, Max Pacioretty is the guy. Like to me, he's the absolute slam dunk choice, no question about it. He's the guy that should be uh, the captain. Uh, I just don't think he wants it, and for all the reasons that you enumerated, I I think that he was embracing very much going from a place where he had all that pressure of being the captain and and all eyes were on him all the time to a place that had the quote, you know, as we talked about 23 captains that he could just blend in and be a player and be one of the guys and, and just be a part of this. And listen, it's different. Like being a captain in Vegas is much different than being a captain in Montreal. I get that part of it. I just feel like he has absolutely embraced this notion of everybody's a captain. I don't have to be the captain. I don't have to be the guy that's always looked at, even though he kind of is uh, in a lot of ways, like he's, he's, he's just in there. So I, I don't think, I don't think he wants any part of that. And I, I could be wrong. Maybe he's taken a step back and said, you know what? It would be different here. But I just can't imagine that he would want to jump up and take that. All right. Well, I want to jump off something you just said there. So let me quick get to our first place finisher, who is Mark Stone at uh, three to two odds. I mean, just clearly the odds on favorite. He's their highest paid player, probably their best player for sure. I would think, you know, if you can debate between he and Pacioretty, but he's one of their top two skaters. I guess, unquestionably. And along with William Carlson, he's under contract as long as anyone. Uh, He's an emotional leader on the ice. He's also a guy that does some things off the ice to help guys out. Like he took in Peyton Krebs this fall, the Knights 2019 first round pick. Uh, Krebs was rehabbing a torn ACL or torn Achilles, I should say, in Las Vegas this fall. Stone said, hey, don't stay in the hotel they put you up in. Come stay with me and my girlfriend. So Stone does subtle things like that that kind of help bring a team closer together. So for all those reasons, I put him as the odds on favor to be captain. Uh, But Adam, you said you would prefer Max Pacioretty. So before I ask Dave kind of his thoughts on Mark Stone, why why do you prefer Pacioretty to Stone potentially? Uh, Well, I think because he's done it. I think he's also a guy that is a little bit more vocal. I don't think – I think, you know, Stone is – I think very nuanced in what he, you know, when he gives, gives interviews and that sort of thing. And I think he's, he's good at it, but I think he's just a little bit more uh, demure, I guess, in his, in his approach. And I think, I think Pacioretty is just that guy. And like I said, he has the experience. He's done it before. And I feel like he, I feel like he's some kind of a weird combination of like the old guard and the newer guard 
uh, I, I don't know. I just get that feeling that he's that he's that good bridge. Like I, I just like everything about what Petrotti does. But clearly, Stone is the favorite in this in this realm, uh, just because I I think that you know as as you pointed out, he's under contract for a long time. Uh, he's a guy that came in and really embraced everything about it here. Was so excited to play here and was instantly kind of just a part of the team. Like all those things are absolutely true. He's you know such a great two way player, the best all around player on the team. All of those things are are the case, so I think he's absolutely the favorite in this uh, in this exercise uh, to be the first guy to be named captain. Dave, what are your thoughts on on Stone? Is this the guy that you're kind of hinting at would be the reason that DeBoer can make these comments? Yeah, I don't even think I was so much hinting at it. I mean, I think pretty much came right out and <laughs> said it, didn't I? Um, let me let me go back to Pajaretti a little bit. Like, I mean, you're kind of saying he's like an old soul, yeah. Is that is that maybe where you're going with the uh, grown up vibe? Is that? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think so. I think yeah. He's only 31 years old, but he does give off the old soul vibe. So, so kind of where I'm going with that a little bit too is, I feel like toward the second half of this season, Max Pacioretty took on the role of teaching Mark Stone how to be captain, and there were certain games where when they lost that. Max Pacioretty was still the one out there kind of giving the message, saying, you know, the things that they want to come out of that locker room. That's kind of the role of, of the captain. When, when times are tough, that's the guy who's got to speak and, and say what, you know, the players essentially want said for them. And I think a lot of Max Pacioretty's role lately has been teaching Mark Stone kind of how to do that sort of, you know, the, the bigger, media side, I guess you could say, of being a captain. You mentioned, you know, Peyton Krebs, and you can go back to even Mark Stone when he, when he was in Ottawa, did the same thing with Brady Kachuk and kind of bringing in the younger player, you know, taking him under his wing, you know, serving as that mentor and things like that. But it's just, for me, Mark Stone is the guy that everybody has kind of been waiting to grab hold of it and Pete DeBoer kind of hinted at it when, when he's going and he's rolling, everybody just follows along. That's, that's what the captain is. And the only, the only kind of reservation I have with it is, is sort of that public. Does Mark Stone want to always deal with us? I guess you could say, and always having to, to be the face, because I think there are times and, and again, I can relate to this. I can, I can understand it. He is just ultra competitive and he, after a loss, just, he is grit your teeth and in a foul mood and, you know, doesn't want to talk. And I get that. I would be the same way. I hate losing more than I like winning. And I think he's kind of the same way. Part of being a captain though, is, is being able to get out front and take it on the chin for the team a little bit. And I think he's learning that he's 27 years old. Like you said, Ben, he's got the long contract. He's the face of the franchise in, in every regard, in terms of points, in terms of salary, in terms of, you know, the high profile trade that they went and got this guy in and kind of anointed him a little bit, said right away, this is our best player. You know, whether it was the top down, everybody kind of agreed this, this is our guy. And, and for that reason, once he's ready to take hold of it, he's, he's the one that's got to be the C because he's the one going forward that's going to be leading this team on and on and off the ice. And, and ultimately that's, that's what, what a captain is. Yeah. So it seems like we definitely have a consensus favorite uh, quickly before we wrap up, I'll just go through the field real quick. Cause I did leave the field 
at 19 to 1. Just just to leave a, a slight smidge of an opening for someone outside of those guys I mentioned to grab it. Uh, if all of a sudden goalies become C eligible or teams are more willing to put a C on a goalie, maybe Marc-Andre Fleury slips in there. Maybe if they bring back Derek England for some reason on a one-year deal, they kind of give it to him for safekeeping for a year and delay giving it to Stone. I'm sure there's other candidates that could pop up if Golden Knights fans want to dream that Petrangelo, who Dave mentioned, becomes a, does end up becoming a free agent. And for some reason, the Knights were able to fill, fit him in under their salary cap restrictions. Maybe he could grab it. I don't know. I just wanted to leave that door open there, but I, I probably wouldn't bet on it. I'll jump. Uh, and then quickly. Just to jump oh, in. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Sorry, really quick. I do think it's it's fair to mention Flurry in the context of leadership, though, because obviously he can't wear a C and we're not talking about him, but I do think, you know, I don't want to, I guess, overlook his impact in the locker room and certainly the the leadership that he provides, the guy who's won Stanley Cups. And, you know, they said at the, the first couple of years, too, that, you know, when the... You know, when it came to crunch time, when it came to the playoffs, it, w- it was Flurry that that the guys were kind of look, looking to, listening to, and even though he can't wear a C, I certainly think his leadership, you know, can't be uh, can't be uh, overstated. I guess. Yeah, and I think I think if like they would have done it, you know, not long after DeBoer came in, and and they would have said, "Hey, we're going to name a captain here for the you know the last month of the season." Uh, I think England would have been like that perfect choice to say, hey, this is his last month kind of around perhaps and uh, we want to name a captain and we're going to make England be the first one. He's going to be the first captain in team history and then kind of pass it on, pass the torch when he's done uh, on to you know a guy like Mark Stone. I think that would have made a ton of sense, in all, like all the sense in the world. But uh, I think now with, with the way it's looking, uh, the season would just be – you know, playoffs essentially. So I don't think that would happen. Uh, so I think that makes it a little, little less likely, but that would have been a nice move. I think for the organization to be like, Hey, he's the first captain in our history. And then we're going to pass the stone, pass the, uh, the stone, pass the torch from there to stone. Uh, that would have, that would have kind of been, I think the right thing to do. Right. So quickly before we wrap up, of course I gave odds for anyone. Dave, you seem pretty dead set that it's going to be Mark stone. Do the, do my three to two odds. Uh, do anything to dissuade you at all, or are you you riding hard for that? Thing? No, I'd take that. I'd I'd play that because I'd making it like like two to five or some kind of favorite, you know. So if I was getting money back on that bet, heck yeah, I'd run down to the window and uh and put a put a little bit on. Even though our uh, our fine sports editor, editor Bill Bradley does not let us uh, wager on the NHL, so just for entertainment purposes only, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, Mark Stone's odds should probably be higher than three to two. But just for the purposes of this exercise, the math for everyone else wouldn't have worked out as well if he, you know, was 60 percent odds, basically, or anything. That's just my Adam, skewed. Uh, uh, that's just my skewed captain power ratings. You know, I got him. Uh, <laughs> I got him weighted pretty heavily. <laughs> Adam, is there an underdog that uh, you like here? Or would you take Stone over the field as well? I think if you're going to give me that 19 to one, I might take the shot that they they do some ceremonial Derek England thing that like you win on a technicality 
something like that where they're like, hey, we're making Mark Stone the captain, but we're going to retroactively name Derek England our first captain and, you know, some tricks, some tricky stuff like that that I think you could try to cash. But I'm just looking for ways to beat the favorite. That's how I like to to bet. Always like trying to bet against the favorite in a horse race. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to try to find ways to go against Stone, but I think it's going to be Stone. Yeah, I I respect your logic, but I think I got to take Stone, too, just because I will admit I kind of under underseated him just for the purposes of making this exercise more fun. Well, thank you guys for playing along. Thanks to everyone who listened. Hopefully that was entertaining. We will be back next week to continue to discuss just more NHL developments because more news is being made all the time. We will potentially have a decision on the NHL draft when we get together next week. And if it does indeed move up, then we'll probably have a lot of draft content for you guys to process uh, both here and at reviewjournal.com. So make sure to check out the website for all our Golden Knights content. Make sure to uh, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Whatever you do to this pod, do to podcast, please do to this one on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. A uh, big thanks to SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos for sponsoring us. Favor, drinkafavor.com for presenting us. We are the Golden Edge Podcast for Adam Hill and Dave Shane. I'm Ben Goats. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.